Onesimus was a runaway cracked pot, broken by the cruelty of Roman slavery, plus poor personal choices that led to thievery. However, his name means useful or profitable. One of millions of slaves in the Roman Empire, Onesimus had stolen from his master, Philemon, and ran away to Rome. A runaway slave could receive the death penalty. While in Rome, Onesimus came to faith in Jesus Christ through an encounter with the Apostle Paul. Paul then writes a personal letter to Philemon, a wealthy businessman in Colossae, asking him to forgive Onesimus and receive him back as his brother in Christ. Are you a cracked pot who needs freedom, forgiveness, and a second chance? What God did for Onesimus, he can do for you. I'm Ron Jones, and this is something good. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Hello, I'm Brian Davis. Thanks for being here for today's edition of Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones. Well, there was a time when all of us were slaves to sin and death. Some still are, but the free gift of God is eternal life. The Apostle Paul wrote about this forgiveness from sin in Romans 6, 23, and it's a message he shared in his final New Testament epistle to his friend Philemon. Stay with us now as Ron moves ahead in his series, Route 66, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. Online, you'll find us at somethinggoodradio.org, where you can listen to the broadcast on demand on your schedule. That's somethinggoodradio.org. And be sure to subscribe to the podcast at Apple Podcasts, at Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Here's Ron with part two of his Something Good Radio message, Philemon, Freedom, Forgiveness, and Second Chances. What should we understand about Paul's view of slavery? For that matter, the Bible's view. If slavery is wrong, why did Paul not use his apostolic authority to speak against the institution that held between five and 10 million people in shackles in the Roman Empire at that time? Why didn't Paul address that? Why didn't he write a letter that just you know, aims right at the institution? Does his silence condone slavery? Some people you know, attack the Apostle Paul like that. They say, I, I just can't believe the Bible because you know, it, doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't attack the institution of slavery. Well, I want you to think about this. Paul, Paul uh, had he merely railed on, the, on slavery like a political activist might and called for the freedom of all shackled human beings and the destruction of that institution, his, his words might have been shredded by uh, the Roman Empire, which had a heavy, heavy hand, and we would have lost his words forever, even his words to Philemon. Instead, Paul um, offers what the political activists never can. He offered true freedom in Christ. He takes the conversation to a different level. You see, Christianity does more than free slaves. It teaches that slaves and masters are one in Christ. In other words, you know, the world may have uh, a hierarchy of relationships out there, but inside the body of Christ, Philemon, the wealthy uh, domestic servant owner and his domestic servant were one. They were the same. Uh, like in the church today, uh, the CEO 
sits right next to the garbage truck driver and they're one in Christ. They might even serve together on some ministry team. And in that way, Paul's letter to Philemon weakened the institution of slavery and began the abolition of it without the use of uh, political pressure tactics and the kinds of things that would have probably gotten him silenced in that culture. Christianity breaks down the damaging hierarchy and social relationship. It nullifies world rank. For example, faith in Jesus Christ dignifies the slave, emancipates women, and demands social justice for all human beings who are created equally in the image of God. For example, in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 28, Paul writes, there is neither Jew nor Greek, neither slave nor free, there is no male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. This was a radical idea. This is not something that anybody's gonna find outside of the body of Christ in the world in which they lived or we lived. Relationships within the body of Christ, there, there's equality. Oh, there may be differences in roles, like between men and women in the family or in the church, but we're all one in Christ. A life transformed by Jesus Christ will change social ills and inequities quicker than any law, than any government program, or than any political activist can. And this is why Paul takes the conversation to another level and waits for the time that the weakening of the institution brings the abolition of it, as it soon did. Now, of course, slavery still exists in parts of the world, and uh, we would be remiss to even suggest that it doesn't. Slavery even stained the early history of the United States of America, a nation founded upon the very Judeo-Christian principles that are found in Paul's letters, not to mention the Old Testament that preceded that. But this present reality does not erase the powerful influence of Christianity and its ability to blunt slavery's stronghold. And it has throughout history and will continue to do so. Today, human trafficking is slavery by another name and tactic. And the only hope for those that are caught up in that, uh, um, that situation, again, is the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. As Paul wrote to the Galatians in chapter 5 and verse 1, for freedom Christ has set us free, stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. So I just say foolhardy is the person who attacks the Apostle Paul for remaining silent. No, you gotta listen to what he's saying and how he's addressing uh, the evil institution. Now, back to what is perhaps less obvious in Paul's letter to Philemon. The obvious principles, the obvious uh, applications about freedom and forgiveness and second chances are there. But what do I mean about the less obvious ones? Well, let's start with an observation made by uh, Martin Luther, uh, that Roman Catholic monk who sparked the Protestant Reformation back in the early 1500s. Luther read the Bible, which was uh, surprisingly an odd thing for Catholic monks to do. They didn't have access to the scriptures. But he uh, got a copy of it in uh, the library and he, um, he read uh, the just shall live by faith and all those kinds of things that caused him to, uh, uh, to run with his, uh, his protests. Uh, he also uh, read the book of Philemon, apparently, because here's what Martin Luther said, we are all Onesimuses. T turn to your neighbor and say, I'm an Onesimus, and you are too, all right? 
We are all Onesimuses. You see, Onesimus was a runaway cracked pot, a jar of clay, broken by the cruelty of Roman slavery, broken by his own poor personal choices that led to a life of thievery. Onesimus was a sinner, a sinner who needed a savior, just like everybody else. We are all Onesimuses, fugitives from the God who loves us. The Romans chapter three and verse 23 summarizes the human condition this way. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Onesimus fell short. Onesimus was a fugitive. He was on the run. Likewise, uh, like Onesimus, uh, we are uh, sinners who fall short of God's standard, right? And that's the bad news that we must embrace before the gospel's good news becomes good news for us. But before it becomes good news, the bad news gets even worse because also like Onesimus, the death penalty awaits us. Because he was a runaway slave in the Roman Empire there and under Roman law, Philemon could have evoked the death penalty. It was a serious matter. It's the way Rome kept those five to 10 million people in shackles. Don't run away from your master because if you're caught, it's certain death. Well, the Bible tells us in Romans 6 and verse 23, the wages of sin is death. Sin is a serious matter. It's through death, Paul tells us in Romans, or rather through sin, that death entered into this world. But the wages of sin ultimately is eternal death. Death physically is when your spirit separates from your body, all right? I've been there at the moment of death enough to actually see that happen. Eternal death is when your spirit or soul is separated from God forever in a place called hell. The wages of sin, the Bible tells us, is death. Every one of us, if we're apart from Christ, we're under a death penalty. We're on death row, okay? Furthermore, like Onesimus, someone else paid the penalty for our sin. There's the good news. That's when the bad news, once you embrace that and understand that, becomes good news. Paul said to Philemon, if he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. That's exactly what Jesus Christ did when he went to the cross. The father charged, well, he took our death penalty. We were on death row, but, but, but the clemency and the mercy that God offers to us is here, my son will die in your place and pay the just penalty for sin. And in the process, purchase your redemption. We call that the substitutionary death of Jesus Christ. Second Corinthians 5 and verse 21 says, for our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We'll be right back with more of today's Something Good message from Dr. Ron Jones, lead pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. Something Good Radio is a 100% listener-supported ministry, meaning we depend on your prayers and financial support. 
to help Ron share the gospel of Jesus Christ through this media ministry. When you give today, we want to say thank you with a brand new resource from the ministry of Dr. Ron Jones, an e-book that goes along with this current series titled Route 66, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. The seventh of eight e-books in the series is based on the Pauline epistles, and it's our gift to you for your gift to Something Good Radio. Give online at somethinggoodradio.org, that's somethinggoodradio.org, or mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia, 23456. You can also call our offices, 757-276-1099. And now let's join Ron for the rest of today's Something Good Radio message, Philemon, Freedom, Forgiveness, and Second Chances. And in the same way that Paul played the mediator, listen to this, the mediator between Onesimus and Philemon, Jesus Christ is the only mediator between God and man. Are you beginning to see the beautiful gospel picture in the book of Philemon? I call it the gospel according to Philemon. And then finally, believers in Jesus Christ were no longer slaves to sin, but slaves to righteousness. Do you remember this in Paul's letter to the Romans? Romans chapter six, beginning in verse 17. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed and having been set free from sin have become slaves of righteousness. Our status changed. We were born into this world sinners. We're not sinners because one day we sinned. We sinned because we're sinners. And therefore, we were born into this world under a death sentence, on death row. Bad news, all have sinned, fallen short of the glory of God, and the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. What good news that is. And it not only changes our status from slaves to sin, all right, you you no longer have to bow down to that master called sin. You're free from that. Now, the practical application of that is a whole other story. But forensically and theologically, you don't have to bow down. Before you met Christ, you didn't have a choice but to bow down to that addiction and to that destructive behavior. And your life was characterized by that, and mine was too. But now you're set free from that. You know, during the Civil War, they say that there were many slaves in the South that continued serving their masters even after they heard the Emancipation Proclamation. It didn't quite settle into them. And that's the way many believers in Jesus Christ are. They're they're continuing to serve the old slave master, not knowing they've been set free. Set free to serve another master, the Lord Jesus Christ and the master called righteousness. More so by faith in Christ, our status changes this way. We're now brothers and sisters in Christ. We're siblings in God's forever family. And that's uh, great news. Are you beginning to see how glorious is the gospel according to Philemon? And it kind of answers the question as to why among all of Paul's writings, especially his personal letters, why the Holy Spirit might have plucked this one out and said, hold on to this one and put that in the canon of Scripture because this story is a gospel story. 
dripping with the grace of God in such a wonderful way. In Christ, we're set free from the penalty and the power of sin. In Christ, we're forgiven, forgiven. The Lord casts our sin as far as the east is from the west. Oh, the devil wants to remind you, no, you're, you're under a death penalty. No, no, you're not. Not anymore in Christ, you're forgiven. And in Christ, we're given a second chance uh, to live for God. So what do we do with a story like this? What do we do with a letter like this? Well, a couple things. First of all, I say seize the moment and place your faith in Jesus Christ right now. Understand the bad news of who you are apart from Christ. Understand the death sentence upon us. Take it seriously. Don't keep trying harder, okay? Um, if I could change the analogy, God doesn't grade on a curve. That's the way a lot of people think. I'm just going to keep trying harder and doing better, hoping that God grades on a curve. No, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That means even a, a 96.5 doesn't make it. Okay. But what God did do, because we didn't get 100% on the exam, he sent his son Jesus to take the exam for us. He always gets 100%. And what you're able to do then is to ask him by faith to take his score and apply it to your account. Now, that'll get you thrown out of a university, but not out of heaven. In fact, that's the only way to get into heaven. You can keep trying harder. You can keep saying, oh, I'll do extra credit. But even your extra credit falls short of the glory of God. The only way to get into heaven is through the merits of Jesus Christ. I'm preaching this morning. Come on now. This is a gospel story, so seize the moment. Seize the moment. You may feel like you got a 55% on the exam, or you may feel good about yourself, that you got a 98.6, but you still failed. You still fall short. Jesus Christ purchased your redemption. He paid the penalty for your sin. He took the exam. And he's just waiting for you to say, apply that to my test score, Jesus. And by faith, I'm going to accept that. Seize the moment. And if you've already, if you already possess eternal life through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm going to ask you to share the good news with somebody else. And maybe the best way to do that is to take a pen and a piece of paper and sit down and do something we don't do very often today, and that's to write a letter. Write a letter to that friend or that family member that you've, you've tried to have conversations with enough times and, you know, the conversation just kind of derails. Why don't you just write them a letter? And you can tell them a story. You can tell them a story about, you know, Philemon and Onesimus and Paul. Or you can tell them your story of how you came to faith in Christ. You say, well, I don't know enough theology and all that. You know enough. You've been on the ultimate road trip through the Bible, all right? But what's equally powerful is your story, your testimony. Book of Revelation, which we haven't come to yet, says they overcame him, that is the devil, by the word of God and the power of their testimony. The devil hates your testimony. 
The devil hates your story. The devil hates stories like uh, Philemon and Onesimus and how Paul mediated a relationship there and brought them together by the grace of God. Hates stories like that. Would do everything he can to destroy a letter like this, but he failed. And we have it today. And you have a story to tell, child of God, about how you came to faith in Christ. You might want to write that down in a letter and send that to somebody. Uh, maybe it's a less threatening kind of way to share the gospel story. And I want to encourage you to do that. Tell them about freedom and forgiveness and the second chance that God gave to you. And they'll have a copy of a letter. You know, letters are personal and they're warm and um, it's not like an email or a text or a tweet. We easily scroll past it. In today's world, a handwritten letter gets somebody's attention. And so maybe that's the method that we can use to reach somebody for Christ. Thanks so much for joining us for today's Something Good radio message, Philemon, Freedom, Forgiveness, and Second Chances. And Dr. Ron Jones joins me now. Ron, as we wrap up road trip number seven, the Pauline epistles, is there anything you'd like to add about either a steady theme that runs throughout all 13 of these books or else a major theme here in Philemon? I'll just leave it up to you to give us today's parting shot. I am glad to, Brian. You know, one of the clear themes here in Philemon is one that does, in fact, show up time and again in the Pauline epistles, and that is the theme of forgiveness. And with that in mind, I want to say a quick word to anyone out there who is hurting or depressed or really struggling to recapture the joy you once had. I validate your pain, and I'm saddened by it, but I believe I also have something that will help you. Uh, Very often the reason why we're hurting is because we've gone through some profound pain in our past and we're struggling with forgiving the person who hurt us. Uh, We may hold a grudge. We may hold on to anger or bitterness or unforgiveness, and it keeps us from breaking through to the healing God wants us to experience. So here is my suggestion, and I believe the Word of God backs me on this. Start in the mirror. By that I mean get to Psalm 51 or Psalm 32 or some other like passage and confess your own sin to God. All of it that you can remember without making any excuse or rationalization. Uh, Talk only about the sin of the man or woman in your mirror. And then after you've done that and truly meant it, uh, and here's the harder part, Brian, absolutely forgive and let go of every single sin that anyone has ever done to you. I'm not telling you it's easy. I'm not even telling you that it will restore your joy in an hour or a day. But I am telling you that confessing our own sin, followed by forgiving and letting go of all those who have sinned against us, well, that brings God's forgiveness, restoration, and joy to us more quickly than any other strategy. That's Dr. Ron Jones with some final thoughts on the imminent return of our Lord Jesus Christ and what we as His followers should be doing in the meantime. Ron, let's quickly turn our attention to our next broadcast. Tell us what's in store for us tomorrow here on Something Good Radio. Brian, we often think of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, as uh, biographies of our Lord's time here on earth. 
uh, what he said, what he did, and how he was uh, betrayed and ultimately crucified. And to some degree, that's true. But there's far more to the purpose of the Gospels than that. Uh, Matthew, for example, offers convincing evidence that Jesus was indeed the long-awaited Jewish Messiah, uh, one who possessed the proper lineage and all the rights to sit on King David's throne, plus the right to sit on the throne of your heart and mine. And so as we work our way through Matthew's Gospel for the next couple of days, I'd like our listeners to keep this question in mind. Who is your king? It's the most important question you'll ever ask. That's next time when Dr. Ron Jones shares his message, Matthew, who is your king? Join us then for Something Good. For Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis. Thanks for listening.